0: Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I'm going to speak to you today. I've never, I've never uh, preached this message before. It was just something that came to my heart as I was uh, talking to the Lord um, about uh, what I might want to say during this Christmas season. Next week, I'm going to speak to wise men worship, wise men worship. But this week, I felt the Lord speak to me um, about Bethlehem. And uh, yeah, a little bit different. Um, And so today's, the title of today's message is O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That was actually uh, written by an American rector or Vicar um, and uh, back in 18. 68. He visited Bethlehem in 1868. And, um, and uh, he was inspired by the view of Bethlehem and the hills of Palestine, especially at nighttime. And he, he came back and he wrote those words. And uh, what I love about it is the church organist wrote the melody to the words so that the, the children's choir could perform it. In church, And I thought, don't watch what God will do with a little Sunday school performance of, of, uh, of something that the minister wrote. People all over the world now sing that song. But it began, the first time it was sung was by a children's choir in a little church there in the States. Bethlehem was prophesied about by a prophet called Micah. And uh, Micah, uh, it's that, usually that little bit in your Bible, if you have a, a real Bible, uh, it's that little bit in the Bible where the pages are still stuck together <laughs> because it's not a place that you very often go to. But Micah prophesied this. He said, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Of course, Micah was prophesying about the coming of Jesus. But I felt the Spirit of God just stir me about some of the history about, uh, associated with, with Bethlehem, um, in regard to this was the place uh, predetermined that, that, that Jesus would be born. And, and I reflected upon the fact that, that those of you who know the story of, of Ruth, which is a fantastic story. Um, that Bethlehem was the place that Naomi and Ruth returned to. And so Bethlehem was a place... Of restoration see both Naomi many years before had left and uh, life had not gone well life doesn't always go well hey and she'd left with her husband with two sons and all of them while she was away they they died and Naomi decided to return, having lost everything. Ruth actually was her daughter-in-law. Another daughter-in-law. Orpah, decided to move on. She decided to stay. But Ruth said, no, I'm coming with you. And so Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem. Ruth having lost her husband and Naomi having lost her husband and her two sons. And... It says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19, he says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? I, I, I find that fascinating because. Bless her, life had so ravaged this woman that she was not immediately recognisable. It was like, is it her? I think it is. Gosh, she's old, eh? It's like they were, they, they were talking amongst themselves. Can this be? Could this be? Could this be Naomi? In fact, Naomi, and we, we can't get into a Bible study as much as I would love to about this but she actually you know said call me Mara call me bitterness she'd she'd allowed life the, the, the disappointments of life to so get into her soul that it was difficult to hope it was difficult to it was difficult to believe you know sometimes some of us we've gone through such tough times it can be difficult to believe that anything good can happen to me And 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 this is what had happened to Naomi, but she she returned with uh, in in Ruth uh, chapter one verse twenty two. It says that so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter in law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem. So they came back to Bethlehem. But I want you to take note of the next words at the beginning of barley harvest. Now, I don't know whether Naomi was aware of of the timing. I I don't think anything like that would have been on her mind personally. There was just something in it that said, I've got to get back. What's the point of hanging around here? I've lost everything. There's nothing for us here. Let us us get back. At At least I know that place. Let me get back. Let me get back home. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. They didn't know it, but things were just about to change. Wow. See, we have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. Wow, yeah. but, but, but they didn't know how their decision was going to play out. Right. But they turned, I, I believe, at uh, 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 just the right time because that the mark of the beginning the beginning of the harvest meant that things were about to change I don't know I want to I want to just speak to someone who in the room today who feels that life has dealt them a rough deal and that maybe you like Naomi might find it difficult to believe that something good can happen to you. Maybe that your disappointments and your pain are too readily uh, in your thoughts, and you 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 find it difficult to believe that life life can change. And yet, they found themselves in a place where things were just about to change. I want to I say to somebody, can you believe that you are here today in the timing of God and something is just about to change? Yes, it doesn't cancel what has happened, but something, something is going to be different. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because of what you can control. You can't make that happen. Happen, but but in the timing of God, you find yourself in a place where things are just about to change. And Ruth, the daughter in law, you know, they came with nothing and now they've got to make a plan. She went out to glean in the field because at harvest time it was. Part of the Jewish law that poor people were able to go and glean and pick up the scraps. In fact, that there the, the was laws that said that they, the, the, they must they must leave, they must leave those stalks for some of the poor the poor people, and and she she went to glean in a field at harvest time, and I want to say that. She was believing God, but she did what she could. She was believing God, but she did what she could. Sometimes you just got to do what you can. They were in a scrape, but Ruth was prepared to pick up scraps. And sometimes, you know, you can sit believing for all kinds of things, but sometimes in life, you just got to humble yourself. And you've got to crack on with some things. Really and and you know what I love is? The thing is, the thing is, if you've really known tough times, if you've really known tough times, if you've really battled, if you've really struggled, yeah. then you know that there are things that you will call the provision of God others might turn their nose up at. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking to everybody, but there are some people in the room who have known some really tough times, some really challenging times, and, and, and you, you have called the provision of God that which some others would have turned their nose up at. Sometimes you've got to make it work. I was just thinking um, about our life Lynette and myself and you know some of the things you, you know you whenever you see somebody you've got to remember no one got here overnight everyone's got a story everyone's got a story and I was you know thinking back in the day when we were in the early days of the ministry we none we, we neither of us came at all from wealthy families on the contrary and, and here we were in the ministry, we had, we had four kids, and uh, you know, um, Lynette wasn't working at that time because we had four kids. So as she would say now, let me say it for her, I was working, working very hard, but I wasn't getting paid for it. So, amen, I heard the amen on the front row, so it's, we're okay, we're okay. But, you know, I, I was, you know, we, we didn't have a field to glean in, but, you know, we had to make it work. We didn't have a lot of money. Some of you have heard the story, but I mean, it is true. You know, we went to week in, week out. Some of you in the room will know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea. Don't worry about it. We used to go to Stanton Market on a Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, you've got four kids. You've got to try and make it work. We queued, I remember a couple of times queuing for, queuing for, for cracked eggs. Because at Jim's store, they sold they sold eggs that were cracked and they wouldn't make it to the supermarket store. So we queued for cracked eggs, and and but you know what? We that was it was a blessing because then we were going to use that those eggs to make to make a cake to well oh I wasn't making a cake but, Lim <laughs> was making a cake and and you know to, but but it was we were getting a lot for our money by doing by doing that. You know, I. You know, we, we. I remember we used to get so excited because then used to go and play badminton on a Tuesday night, and she used to go to ASDA, and on a Tuesday night they marked down all the prices. Used to put whoops, whoops. I don't know whether they still do, but they put a yellow label on saying whoops, and uh, and they used to mark down it all. And we used to be able to get to eat loads of things that we didn't normally get to eat because because we were able to get it. To get it cheap, you know, they were either just about, just about out of date or uh, they, they, they were going out that day. I remember, you know, this time of year, we, um, you know, four kids, not a lot of money. We used, to, we used to scout the papers sometimes. Now, some of you are going to be shocked now, but don't worry, it's fine. Jesus will help you. <laughs> but we used to sometimes buy secondhand toys and then ring up for a new box say so do you know our box is broken would you my wife's dying on the front row here I'm not you know why I'm sharing this because I'm not ashamed because we were making it work we were making it work we were doing what we could do with what we got and, and it God blessed us I remember Christmas Eve washing down this this uh plastic kitchen that we got secondhand trying to be that was but it needed to look new so we were we'd, we'd rung up and got some new stickers for it and uh, and I remember um I we I got a secondhand uh bike for for Aaron and um and I rang up rally and got them to send through some stickers and and I stuck the stickers all on the rally bike and, it was, and he was so pleased until one day he went to the park and says, Dad, a, a lad at the park says, my bike's not a rally bike. <clears throat> what, really? Oh it's, a, oh, it's just some weird guy. Don't even. Anyway, one day he realized that his bike wasn't a rally bike. But you know what? It was a bike. And he played on it for a long time, believing I mean, that's some of that is back in the day. But you know, we—I um, remember we had—we uh, were in South Africa. We had university fees, and um, so—and and by the way, we're fine. I don't—you don't need to take up an offering for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't like, guys. Times are tough, but, you know, but we're trusting Jesus. It's not one of those moments. But I was, we were, we were um, in South Africa. We had to pay, um, and, and some of you in the room will know what I'm talking about. We had to pay uh, foreign university fees, uh, which are not cheap. And, uh, and we didn't have the money, but God gave me an opportunity. I had been making church news with Windows Movie Maker. Does anybody know about Windows Movie Maker? <laughs> Windows Movie Maker, the Lord help us. If you don't know about it, it's because it is practically obsolete. But at the time, I was making church news with Windows Movie Maker, and I learned a set of skills that enabled me to make, I was asked, someone came to church and asked me to make a promotional film for uh, their company, and I did. On Windows Movie Maker, where's Ryan? He should be having me on his team, perhaps not. (laughs) Making and with the with what we received for uh, that uh, promotional video that that paid for half the 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 fees for that for that year what I'm saying you please don't feel sorry for me please please because 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 those things, they made us. They enabled us to prove God. We trusted God through those seasons. Listen, not everything about that is great, but everything about it is great if you use it, if, if you allow God to use it for good in your life. We're not bitter, we're blessed. We're happy because we've seen God provide. And that's what, that's, what I'm saying is you sometimes have to use the scraps to get out of a scrape. Use the scraps to get out of the scrape. That is what Ruth, what Ruth was doing. And, and if you know the story, as be, because of her willingness to put herself in that place, then God used that to, re, to reposition her. She met her husband there and she bore a child. And this, I want us to take note because the reason I point that is because I want you to understand that God is a God of restoration. Bethlehem was a place of restoration. And I want you to look because in Ruth chapter 4, then, I mean, we read chapter 1, but God's got another chapter for us. God's got another chapter and, and there was some some stuff that happened in chapter 1 that is not our destiny, it's where we were coming from. But God's got something better for us. He's got another chapter, He's got a better future. Yeah. In Ruth chapter 4, it says, verse 16, that Naomi took the child, this was Ruth's child, and watch this. And I've had to put it in the King James Version because the NIV does a rubbish translation of this. But... But I want you to watch this. That then Naomi took the child. So Naomi is the is the 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 one who's lost her husband and lost her two sons, and uh, and now her daughter-in-law has remarried and and put given her the child. And then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom, and and became a nurse to him. She started to breastfeed. And verse 17, also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want you to notice, I want you to just notice some things quickly uh, because I need to move on. But, but it, I want you to understand that it is, it is absolutely possible for a woman who has not been pregnant for many years to relactate lactate and produce milk again. And Naomi had not breastfed for many years, but such was the restoration that when she put her grandchild to her breast, the milk, that's what it says, and became a nurse to him, the milk began to flow again. Oh my God, is there anybody excited about that I believe the Lord has told me to tell you the milk will flow again. Some of you have seen stuff in your life dry up, run out. You never thought you were going to see the blessing again. You never thought it was anything good was going to happen again, but I want you to know that Naomi's God is your God. Naomi's God is my God and the milk will flow again what they said was gone what they said was over what they said was dried up in Jesus name it will flow again and they looked at her i love what this there is a son they they looked at this baby knowing that it's been born to ruth but the women said there is a son born to naomi god will make some things look like That it it might look different, but God has absolutely restored it. Wasn't her son, but people were calling her, calling him her son. That is restoration. The milk will flow again. Jesus, the restorer, would come out of this. Bethlehem. I want you to understand that this isn't just a story. This is the reality that Jesus has the power to restore your life. Jesus has the power to cause the milk to flow again. Jesus has the power to take your lack and turn it into abundance. What has been lost may not come back in exactly the same way. And I want us to understand that. You know, Naomi still had her story. She's still a widow. She still lost her sons. But, but, but God made sure that what happened to look like restoration. I want to say that you may have suffered loss. But in the end, God will take your less and transform it into blessed. God's going to take your less and transform it into blessed. Bethlehem, the place of restoration. And I want to say, we're not queuing for cracked eggs anymore. We're not because of God. And we might actually buy some things that are reduced, but we're not having to go and stand and wait for them to put it on the shelves. We were the people hovering around while they put the labels on the stuff. We're not doing that anymore. God is a God of restoration. And if you are that person who is still queuing and waiting until God's writing your story too, God is writing your story too. And in the end, He will make sure that your less turns into blessed. We read there that. Uh, The amazing thing that that, that Ruth's baby, called Naomi's baby, uh, ended up being Abed, uh, the grandfather of of, of King David, who actually was in the lineage of Christ. Um, But Bethlehem, I want to talk about David because David actually also came from Bethlehem. And I want to speak to those words of the, the, the prophet that said that though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of me will come essentially greatness. And I want to I remind us of a story that be, because Bethlehem was a place where, where greatness came out of insignificance. There's a, there's a story in 1 Samuel 16 where the Bible says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. And then the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And Samuel said what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. You see, they trembled because he was the man of God. And they wanted to know that uh, when they looked at the man of God, they they didn't just see a man, they saw God. And they wanted it to be well. That's why they asked him, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Now, you've got to understand that this is a big deal. I'm telling you this because of what is going to come next. This is like, this is like... Of the, of the level that, it, you know, if, 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 if the queen came to KMC today. Uh, uh, it's like, this is a big, big deal. Or, and if you knew, if you knew uh, that she was going to be here tonight, uh, I bet you'd come back. Many of you. Not all, but many of you. And you'd bring, and you'd bring some people with you. But the point that I want to make is that here we have this incredible scenario. The, the, the man of God was there, seen as God almost himself. And, 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 they, and, and then we have Jesse um, who, uh, let me find the verse. Samuel replied, verse 5, Yes, in peace I have come. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Because Eliab looked cool. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and they went to all the, all the brothers and, and, and the Lord had not chosen one of these. Verse 11, so the, the man of God asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? So I painted this big picture of this massive event because this was a party that David had not been invited yeah. to. No one had even bothered to dance around the subject. You know, if you've been invited to a party and you're not sure that somebody else has been invited to the party, and then you're asking them, oh, what are you doing later? Not really because you're bothered about what they're doing later, but you want to mention that you're going to the party and you're not sure they're going to the party. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, I'll see you later at the party. And they go, what party? And... Um, oh, um, the thing, don't worry, it's nothing. <coughs> Obviously not happened to you. <laughs> they went to fetch David. It says there in verse 11, there is still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in he was glowing with health and with a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went on to Ramah. Bethlehem was an insignificant place and easily overlooked, but God chose to, to raise the profile of Bethlehem. David, too, was overlooked, but God chose to raise his profile. David was treated as insignificant. He was not invited to the party. But I want us to understand that God will often hide the seemingly insignificant in the significant, or rather the other way around. Sig- he will have hide the significant in the insignificant. God will hide a king in a shepherd boy. I want you to understand it's not the clothes that make a king. A king God has chosen will get to wear a crown because of his heart. Let me say that again. A king God has chosen will get to wear a crown because of his heart God does not look at the same things people look at we will look at external things personality gift clothes and we say oh they must be somebody because we look at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart when David came forth God exposed in public what had been prepared in private God exposed in public what had been prepared in private. It was in private that David risked his life to protect the sheep in his care. It was in private that David developed his slingshot skills with which he took Goliath down. It was David's private victories that gave him the confidence to fight Goliath. It was in private that David developed the harp skills that would one day bring him before the king, Saul. Bethlehem was not the place of discovery of a king. It was the place of unveiling of what God had already discovered. I'm going to read that again. Bethlehem was not the place of a discovery of a king. It was the place of unveiling of what God had already discovered. I think that David and Bethlehem show us that we will be hidden until God says it's time for us to be seen. Right. We will be hidden. Right. Until God says it's time for us to be seen. And I think too many, too often we can work so hard trying to be seen. Because we believe that it's by being seen that we will be significant. But my significance does not come from being seen by you. My significance comes from being seen by him and he sees me and God sees you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows your story. He knows your life. Psalm 75 says this and I like it because it's the way I remember it in the King James Version. From promotion cometh neither from the east nor the west nor the south but God is the judge. He put us down one and he set it up another. We've got to understand that God is in charge of our life. Promotion being seen does not come from man. It doesn't come from me. It comes from him. Now, of course, David was faithful in, in the realm that he served. He was a faithful man, serving in the, the unseen, serving in the unrecognized, serving without the round of applause, serving out without the cheers, serving without anyone to bind up his wounds after he wrestled down the lion and the bear, serving with no one to say, well done, mate, you did a fantastic job there. Serving with all that in the unseen. But God saw. God saw Him and God sees you. Bethlehem showed us that no man can hide what God has determined to reveal. Bethlehem showed us that extraordinary can be hidden in the ordinary. Bethlehem showed us that you don't have to promote yourself. God knows where you are. Bethlehem shows us that God will ensure you're not overlooked. And out of the unlikely town of Bethlehem, and the king, the king David, emerged. And 14 generations later, Jesus, the King of Kings, would be born there. See, Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth, house of Bethlehem. Bread. My daughter's called Bethany. Our eldest daughter's called Bethany. Bethany means house, house of, house of song, house of the grace of the Lord. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus said in John 6, He said, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, Jesus said, I am the bread of life because there's a hunger in the soul of people. That goes beyond hunger for food. That hunger, that that void, people will try and fill with all kinds of things. But Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy. You can have a relationship with church, and you can have a relationship with one another. But the only relationship that will truly fulfill your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The prophet Micah had prophesied 700 years earlier that Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, would be born in the little town of Bethlehem. The problem was that Joseph and the pregnant Mary were 97 miles away in Nazareth. And God had a problem. He didn't have a problem. But Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Because God had spoken through the prophet Micah. So God had to put it in the mind of Caesar Augustus. A man who was two and a half thousand miles away. That a census would be taken throughout the Roman world. I love the fact that one day Caesar woke up and thought, "Mm, I've had a good idea. It wasn't his idea at all. Because God was on with a plan. And he had to speak to a man two and a half thousand miles away to organise something that would ensure that his son was born in the right place at the right time. And so this census required that everyone was to return to the town of their birth and Joseph had to return to Bethlehem because Joseph was from the line of David. See, Bethlehem is proof that God will literally move heaven and earth to get you to be where you need to be. Bethlehem is proof that He will use people you don't know and people you do. Bethlehem is proof that He will even use your enemies to work on your behalf. Bethlehem is proof that we fit into a story that was written before the beginning of time. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Bethlehem was the place that God restored Ruth and Naomi's life. And the God who restored Ruth and Naomi's life is the God who can restore yours if you will put your life in His hands. The God who took David of Bethlehem overlooked and insignificant in man's eyes, but God saw his heart and made him a king. Reminds us that Man might overlook you. You might feel unseen. But God knows who you are. God knows where you are. And if you commit your way to Him, He will make your path straight. Bethlehem, the house of bread, which pointed to the bread of life, Jesus. Jesus Himself said that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word, that proceeds from the mouth of God. We, talk, we speak of a God who does not just meet our physical needs, but meets everything you need and require as a person. God will move heaven and earth to get you to be where you need to be. Could it be that God has moved heaven and earth to get you here this morning to hear a message where you understand perhaps for the first time that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who has a plan for your life. There is a God who can make a way for you even though it seems impossible to you. Even though you cannot see a way forward, God is a God who can make a way for you. But we have to start. By entrusting ourselves, come what may, into his hands. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search HeartChurch UK.